Hi there, welcome to Talk Canicross. I'm Janetta George. And I'm Gail Walker. We're here today to talk all things Canicross, the fun way to get fit with your dog. So each month we'll be joined by a special guest or two. We're here from professionals, regular Canicrossers, and also dog and human experts in their field. It will be real people and real stories. So we hope you'll join us, whether it's for training tips, dog talk, or just for fun and encouragement. This is Talk Canicross, brought to you by DogFit. And don't forget to hit subscribe and keep in touch with all things Canicross. Have you ever contemplated the exhilarating adventure of canicrossing a marathon or even an ultramarathon with your dog? You might already be enjoying those longer distances together and the thought has crossed your mind. But what does it take to push the boundaries even further? Perhaps you're already an experienced marathoner or an avid ultra runner, but have you ever wondered about the unique challenge and the rewards of canicrossing those distances with your dog? In this episode, we share our tips and experience of successful long-distance canicrossing, as well as answering those frequently asked questions. And we're delighted to be joined by two guests, Amy Nash, who's our DogFit trainer from Orpington, who took part in the Canichal Ultra earlier this year in South Wales, and Michelle Osman, who started Canicross almost two years ago um, on and Couch to 5K and is now working towards her first ultramarathon, which will be later this year. So we're really interested to chat and find out a bit more. But welcome to both of you. Hello. Hi. Hi, welcome both. And um, let's start with you, Amy. I mean, you've been very busy by the sound of it. So can you, first of all, just tell us a bit more about yourself, your background and, and a bit about your dogs, because obviously we always like want to hear about the dogs. And then it'd be great to hear about the ultra event you've you've recently taken part in. Hear a bit more about that. Uh, yep. So I started running just over six years ago, um, did the couch 5k, was running out really early in the morning. So I felt it was safer to take my dog with me. He was just two at the time. Didn't really know anything about canny cross, etc. Then gradually found out this was a thing, going to park runs and I bought all the gear purchased all the non-stop stuff just from advice you find online then I found dog fit later on and became an instructor two years ago Trigger's now eight well he's coming up eight so he's an older dog not sure how many more ultras we have in him but he's a springer spaniel so no doubt he will not stop running (laughs) but we are looking around now to think about our next dog um, because it'd be quite lonely without him in the house and being dogless so um yep and then I've been increasing my distances. I already ran marathons, hadn't ran a marathon with Trigger. We had trained for Beachy Head in 2020, but then obviously COVID came along. Then they cancelled dogs after that. So no dogs anymore at Beachy Head, which is quite sad. So he already had that distance in him. I knew he could do a marathon, but it gone on a back burner. Then in December, I was running a normal introduction taster session with a lady from my old running club who had a beagle and she's an ultra runner. She loved it. She said her dog wasn't going to be very good, but he was, she was, sorry. And um, that evening I phoned her, checked everything was all right. How did she like it? Told her I was racing the next weekend, but I'd just come back from injury. So it wasn't going to be fast. It's just a Christmas, you know, turkey chase in Maidstone. So she said, oh yeah, I'll come with him. So he desperately ordered the kit to get there within a week. And her dog loved it. We just chatted for seven miles. And I then told her that Johnny Fletcher said, added more places for the ultra marathon for the canny cross just in conversation not no way encouraging her to enter this race that evening she rang me and said i've entered the ultra you're gonna enter and <laughs> this is the second time she'd ever run with her dog wow. and i thought well i can't leave her hanging so <laughs> i entered as well and then we started training in january so yeah it was 
really fun. And it's just, I don't know if I would have done it if I hadn't have met her, but she's obviously into ultra running. That's her thing. And she was just like, you know, let's go, let's do it. Nothing's too much. So it was fun. And now you've got, now you've got the bug because you've booked to do it again this year, haven't you? Yeah. I'm in a bit of a different position to me, Shell, because I know my dogs are capable. Well, all dogs are capable of ultra running, but he's got it in him already. So mm-hmm. we're not starting from, a, you know, zero miles. We'll quite happily go out for a 13, 20 mile run at the weekend and he won't be bothered by that so we're not in a position where we've got to start training from scratch and being an October race you've got to be really conscious of when you're going to be training because of the heat so it's early morning runs late runs just shorter runs as well because as long as you're out on the feet you're adding up that mileage because it's not a sprint it's a a long run you're not going to be sprinting you're not going to be going too fast this is a lot of styles hilly terrain you're basically climbing mountains in Wales so yeah, it sounds this was this was 30 miles, wasn't it, that you intrigued? Yes, it was. Yeah. How did you both get on with it then, being your first ultra? Well, I loved it. I didn't love it straight away. <laughs> I loved it while I was doing it. And then, like, you know, after I'd had a drink at the end, I loved it again and then entered <laughs> again for October. So, yeah. It what was about really good. What about the trigger? weather was amazing. It, the weather was awfully amazing. It was torrential rain and... Oh gales and any weather you could imagine that's what we got up on the top of the mountains wow. they'll say hills but they were mountains yeah. <laughs> amazing achievement and and obviously welcome back to michelle as well who um michelle's been on our, our podcast before in our can gun dogs canny cod episode um and michelle literally started running just under two years ago and started with a couch to 5k with lara our dog fit trainer down in butte and that journey now you're you're planning towards your first ultra that's just amazing so oh, it, it's it's been a roller coaster ride it's been fantastic so i own three springers and three cockers and they all run, even though the very old ones don't run anymore. They've all run. Any that listen to my original podcast will understand my background is gun dogs. So I'm fully aware of the capability of these breeds of dogs and their ability. And as Amy said, you know, they, they have the miles in them well before us. <laughs> it's what they're designed to do. They're designed to work all day and keep going all day. So I have my Springers and my Cockers. My main two dogs I run with are two Springers. One of them is now coming up for, he's just over nine, so he's sort of taking it a bit easier. My yeah. other dog is five, but he has displaced here, and he's the whole reason I got into running dogs, because I wanted something to do with him that allowed him to be active, but was safe. And obviously running in harness means he is safe and he is good. So he's the main dog I run with. And I have a little working cocker that I'm bringing along. So um, he's just coming up to uh, start doing his He's just done his couch to 5K and he's starting to do some work now. I thoroughly have the bug. I never ran in my life until I was 57. I didn't run for a bus, let alone last orders at the bar. And all of a sudden, here I was falling in love with this sport. And and I love it. I've now run 5K races, 10K races, half marathons with my dogs. Yeah. Um, And I finished my half marathon. And as Amy says, you're euphoric. And some idiot said to me, well, there's this ultra, do you fancy doing it? And before I knew it, I'd signed up for it. I also convinced a couple of other people to sign up for it. And we've actually got nine of us come from Lara's group of Let's Go Canny Cross running the ultra. Two of them signed up for it thinking it was 30k. And then discovered the next day it was 30 miles. But hey ho, you should read you always read the details. She never yeah. reads instructions. I've told her that's her fault. <laughs> 
but no, we've signed up for it. And I'm really excited about the journey of getting there, you know, the whole training program. And then when I get there, like Amy says, I'm going to just live for the day and enjoy it. And hopefully I'll get the bug and I'll be signing up for the next one again. Yeah. Oh, good for you. I mean, you meant you and Amy are doing the same event, aren't you? Yes, we are. Yeah. So be very interesting to know. You said about sort of you're looking forward to the training and building up because you've got between now and then. How are you approaching it? Maybe Michelle first, you know, is, is it are you just sort of like building up yourself or are you following a structured program or anything like that? Well, fortunately, because there's nine of us from the same group doing it, we've got a lot of people that are all on the same journey. And yeah. the majority of us have never run these distances before. So we have group runs through Lara and the Let's Go. We, we have um, specific group runs we're doing there. So every weekend we have a long run, which at the moment is about 10 miles, and we'll build that up and up and up. Personally, I've taken a marathon training plan for six months, and I've worked on that mm-hmm. because, for me, that's the time I had. I signed up for it at March time, so I've got the time to do it. Personally, I am trying to get as many miles in per week because, as Amy said, it's about being on your feet. So for me, it isn't just about running with a dog. I do some dogless running. I do walking. I do Pilates. I do swimming. All these things that are just building my fitness up Mm -hmm. so that 30 miles in one day doesn't seem such a great task. And I've got a set process that I run through every week. Um, And as I say, because I'm doing it with a group of other people, it means you're not doing the early morning runs on your own. There's a lot of us that are getting together and running with our dogs and then we'll go swimming in the sea pool here in Bude all together and things like that. It's a really nice environment to be training in. And obviously mm-hmm. the dogs are building up their miles at that point, but they don't need to build their miles quite the same way as I do because they're more far more capable of it than I am. Yeah, and who's the lucky dog that's going to do the event with you? Well, I'm actually training up two dogs. Ace and Max is my young cocker, and I am going to train both of them up to see how they cope and then either take them both along or choose whoever comes along for that day. But I thought train up two, there's less chance of if anything happens to one, you've got a spare. There's never like having a spare. Um, No, it's very sensible. (laughs) I love it. Fantastic. And and what about you, um, Amy? How do you approach your training? We run during the week. We do either three to six miles. And then at the weekend, on a Saturday or a Sunday, we will do a long run. So I did write down what we kind of have planned. So obviously we're at half marathon distances anyway. So we will run half marathon distance with the dog, then a 20, a couple of 20s, then we'll go down to tapering. So when we go for the recce in Wales, it will be a 10, maybe 12 mile run. They don't need the massive distance. And it's always important to rest them as well for their joints and their pads, etc. And just keeping checking them. The rule for the ultra is that at every checkpoint you check your dog before you check yourself. Yeah. So that's what we do for our runs as well. And then obviously you've also got your kit list. So your dog first aid kits that you carry. For me, for personally, my dog's dog doesn't need to eat during an ultra. He'll eat his breakfast before he runs and he's quite happy to go the whole distance without having any food. He doesn't need it. I don't think he'd even take it. He's taken a couple of treats off of the guys in the vans at the checkpoints just because they keep giving it to the dogs. He doesn't need that food. And I, you don't really see many dogs fueling. There's all there's loads of water. And also on that course, there's lots of natural water where the dogs will get their own water from. But I yeah. did find at the last ultra he did where it was so wet and so raining, he hardly drank at all. I think because he was saturated for most of the run. He felt like he didn't <laughs> need wet to. wet already. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, 
that was quite interesting but um that yeah we have your mandatory kit list so we did add a um dog coat for trigger and my friend also got a dog coat for theirs which isn't on the list but it was essential for in wales so yeah and what what is on that that. yeah what what is on that kit list then just as a so for yourself and you need at least a 10 litre rucksack so it's good to start training with that so i always when i did my long runs i went out with my kit on every time i carry my own water in a flask and i think that you have to carry 500 mils anyway but i tend to have a um tank on my back which trigger also drinks out of if i want him to because i can pressurize it to make it come out for him and then um you have to have a spare underlay yeah a waterproof jacket uh with um tape seams so it's also windproof yeah a bivy waterproof trousers with tape seams again gloves a hat or a buff and what else a first aid kit for dogs funnily enough there wasn't a first aid kit requirement for a human so we do care more about adding and then what else do we have in that kit bag oh a torch because it could be late but Mm. i carry two just for i always carry two when i go on runs anyway just in case one runs out and spare batteries i'd also to and the kit's completely checked if you haven't got the kit when you get to wales you're not going to find it in this little village so you need to make sure you've got your mandatory kit yeah and and you can have your kit checked again at the end of the race. If you haven't got that kit with you, mm. you can be disqualified. Not, I don't know if it would happen here, but generally the rule is you carry that kit for your whole ultra. Yeah, and then that's a good point about doing your training, carrying that rucksack as well, because um, that obviously makes a difference. But just going back to one point you mentioned about the kind of nutrition side of things, because um, yeah. it is a question that we get asked a lot. And and I know, I mean, Gail, you've done um, lots of marathons with your dogs over the years as well. Every dog is different, but Gail, what with with your dogs, what what did you do nutrition wise in those marathons? Well, I I mean, you learn along the way, and you you speak to people who've got you know at the time more experience than you have got the knowledge, you know, experts. But I found, and every dog's different. Just you know, Amy and Michelle's point, and I ran with um where we got had a couple of staffies that we ran with, and we had a Ridgeback Doby Cross, and um. I would take some small snacks with me, but they didn't really need any food or much food, depending on what I was doing distance wise. And I would always carry plenty of water. You know, the priority was always for the dog. But uh, with their food, I used to just give them maybe I'd eat a slightly less than their normal meal. And I'd add a bit of water as well, just to make sure that they were hydrated, because it's really difficult isn't it, to say to a dog, you need to drink before you go off and do your run because they don't know that we can say that as as humans that you know you need to drink you know plenty of water and be hydrated or even drink the day before so I started doing that with my dogs just sort of watering giving them maybe half a meal or two-thirds of their meal unless I had plenty of time because obviously you need to give it enough time before the race so maybe you know two to three hours and yeah I think the other key thing less about the nutrition but it's also being mindful of your dog's needs on the run you know you stop when you you need to you give them breaks and you give them you make sure they have water stops and because even if it's not a warm day you still got to you know make sure that they are happy and you enjoy it and it above all is you know and it is ultimately about having fun so but yeah I would just it's it's really about being sensible and then afterwards make sure they properly cool down and um before you go off in, back in the car and then I would give them a you know a nice big meal later you know a couple of hours after they might have a little snack you know when they finish because it's a reward because it's always good to sort of say well done and good boy good girl but they would have a big you know proper meal later um but yeah some most dogs most dogs as you i think you said amy you know don't need i think or, and michelle don't really need to eat 
much if anything on a marathon a lot of people think they assume they do but i tend to just carry little snacks but sometimes it's just a reward really for doing a you know job well done yeah no absolutely and um, michelle what about the human side because obviously we're, we're obviously very much concerned about the dog and their nutrition side but obviously for those distances how are you kind of practicing the nutrition in your longer runs because it's hard to eat and run <laughs> exactly yeah I'm, I'm lucky that um eating has never been an issue for me anywhere yeah. or any time as amy said we've got our 10 litre training packs we've got these packs on us so we're already changing the type of running we're doing we're already burning more calories because we're carrying more we're doing longer distances we've done a few long runs where I've learned the very nasty lesson about hydration and keeping hydration is the most important thing felt fine on the day felt like I've been hit by a bus the next day because I've not hydrated enough we're learning about using electrolytes the day before a hot sweaty run as we get into the warmer weather that's good practice for us um, I'm looking at using various different I'm not using gels I'm using something called tailwind which goes into my, my water flask which is giving me the calories and everything which is helping me with my running so I've really noticed a difference in my um, distance running and how I feel since I've been using that um, we are practicing eating on runs. So we take our little date and peanut butter and walnuts wrapped up with us on our little runs and we're popping those in our mouth as we're running. We're learning to stop and eat. And as Amy said, we're learning that it's not about running. It's about trekking as well as the running side of it. So you're learning to pace yourself better and also to understand that my the most important thing for me is to understand how much I need to fuel before and after I've done a long run yeah. and understanding it because I actually suffer from Crohn's. So for me, it's really important that I control my Crohn's by diet. So it's really important for me that I don't get ill. So yeah. I need to make sure I balance that out. And the last thing I want to do is have a fantastic run and then spend a week in bed afterwards because I'm poorly. So um, for me, it's about balancing everything out. And I think everybody's an individual, just as our dogs are an individual. And we have to learn it. And I think, you know, as Amy said, by upping those uh, distances you're running, you start to understand how your body copes with it and how you need to fuel it, hydrate it, rest, things like that. And also with your dogs, you're watching your dogs. If you know your dogs, which people should do that are doing this sport, you know your dogs, you know what their, their abilities are. You know the signs that you just need to slow down a bit or they want to drink or whatever. And, yeah. and as regards nutrition for my dogs... As you were saying, Gail, I, I've never fed a dog on a working day. They always get fed in the morning, obviously, but they, they don't get fed throughout the day. And I think it's really important to up their food for a couple of days before. That's what I used to do with my dogs when they were going out to do big competitions in the gun dog world, just to get that energy in there. And that's what I'm probably going to do as we get up to the long distances. So they haven't got a full belly, but they've got that energy in there, just as I will do with myself, understanding what I eat. That's brilliant. Yeah, and I think it's as well as taking advantage of natural stops as well. Yeah. Amy mentioned from your last one you did, there's natural water stops, aren't there? When I've done marathons with my dogs, it's really nice to take advantage of that because even if it's just to cool their pads down and just have a quick respite before they get going again. Yeah, and yeah. one point on that, I want to add in from what Amy said about the terrain, understanding the terrain we're going to be running on. We have to run start running on that type of train we're lucky that in Cornwall we have lots of coastal runs we can do we have lots of big hills we have um, running across moors so we can try lots of different terrains to run on and so we start to understand how our feet work on those terrains and how we hold ourselves on mud and shingle and sand and it's the same for the dogs 
you know, if you've got a dog that's used to running in woodland and, and across fields, you put it onto some of those Welsh mountain tracks, as I'm sure Amy, Amy will testify. It, it's not nice on their paws and they've got to be able to cope with that. And I think that that's another thing that's important, getting your dog used to the terrain. Would you agree, Amy? Yeah, we we did a lot of training on the uh, North Downs. So you've got loads of different surfaces there. And yeah, nothing prepares you for what you are going to get to. But it was such a mix in Wales. There were some really rocky parts, but then there was some miles and miles of just grass and meadows and, you know, perfect conditions for the dogs. So it's just about, you know, some of the hills you can't run down, you physically couldn't run down. They're like sheer face rock faces. So you weren't going to run there. So it's even you really need to train your dog like slow by your side. All your commands have got to be on point. So in the summer, as it's getting hotter, work on the commands as well, because they're mm. going to be important when you're out in the race. With I think it's 160 people running it. Some of them have two dogs. So there's going to be a lot of dogs. Your dog will be excited. Your yeah. dog will follow the other dogs. So you want to make sure that you've got all your commands on point. When you're going down them steep runs, you don't want to be running with a pulling dog in front of you because you'll, you'll be ended up in the road at the bottom. You know, what? that's a really, really good point, because that was actually something I was going to ask Michelle, because obviously, Amy, you're a dog fit uh, an instructor anyway. But um, with Michelle, how how important has that been to have, you know, a dog fit trainer helping you um, just just learn the ropes with with your dogs um, to in preparation for this ultra, you know, as well as doing the miles, you know, leading into it? Oh, it's been invaluable. You know, we're fortunate that Lara has run ultras herself. She's run marathons herself um, and she's doing it with us, with her dog. So she's given us lots of support in it, lots of advice. The lady that we do all our Pilates with is also an ultra runner. So we all go to a Pilates class together. So we've got that supporting us. And she's talking to us through her experiences. Because of the coastal routes we have here, we have a very strong behind command. Because when you're running down <laughs> the side of a, a, you know, some of the stuff that we run around here, naturally, we have to train that behind command. And it's one of the things that Lara is really strong on from a safety perspective. Exactly as Amy said, you know, we cannot go down some of these coastal routes without having a dog behind you. You certainly couldn't run down it with... 50 kilo of whatever in front of you, it, you, you, you know, it's, it's a death trap for both of you. So Lara's very, very good training the commands we need, our lefts, our rights, and training us to watch the dogs and to use the terrain around us, exactly what Amy was saying. You know, if, if your dog is starting to look, you know that dog's looking for water. If you're running by the side of a river, stop and give the dog water. Let them get in there. Let them cool down their bodies by lying on the water for a bit. Let them wash their feet. Let them have a drink. And Lara's really good at sort of making sure our runs incorporate that. So we're not we're not out there just hammering across somewhere. She's making sure we've got the shade, we've got the water, um, we've got different terrains to run on. And I think also having the dog fit element there where we've got a group of people running is really important as well because you get accountability. At six o'clock on a Saturday morning, mm. am I really keen to get out of bed and run 10 miles with on, on a warm morning when I need to get out and do it? No, but if I know there's six other people already sat in a car park that will be phoning me if I'm not there in 10 minutes... It makes you get up and do it. And so I think having a group of you and somebody like Lara there with the dog fit background, it really does help. It gives you that accountability that um, you know, there's no way you're getting out this. You've got to do it. 
<laughs> we're doing it. It's, a, you know, it's happening. And it, we support each other because you know, all of us have little wobbles. All of us sort of have moments when we just go, I don't know if I can do this. And we're like, yeah, you can. We can do this. And also the, the funny thing was, you know, all of us having to get the kit together, as Amy said, you know, we can name you every type of waterproof coat that a runner can buy and the price <laughs> of it and what the sizings are like because we've all researched it. But it, that's the fun of it. And that, that's the good side of it. And looking at kit for the dogs as well, because some people have had to change the type of kit they're running their dogs in because it's a lot further distance and it's got to be right for the dog if you've got a strong puller, things like that. And the dog coats, obviously, you know, we, we picked up pretty quickly having watched some of the videos put up by people on the trails. Oh, our dogs are going to need a coat, you know. So having somebody coordinating like Lara, who's been there, done it, it's helping us all feed into it. I can feed into it from my experience of working dogs for a long time and how the dogs will cope. And then if you've got somebody who's got maybe one dog that's more of a pet dog, they've never experienced how to deal with their dog through that type of extensive work. So we can all feed into it. And I think it's it's really good to do it as a group. Yeah. yeah, so it sounds like you have a great support crew around you and, and that's, you know, the social sport side is fabulous. Just come back to Amy, because uh, obviously you ran the 30 miles. I think you did it more than 30 miles in back in March. I think for anyone that's you know never done any long distances at all with their dogs, I think it would be good to kind of hear that you're not kind of running the whole thing. It's not about a race and running, but what, you know, that how do you transition from, you know, your canny crossing to canny trekking back to canny crossing? And I think you also mentioned that some people do swap dogs as well, mid events like that. Yeah, a lot of people did at the checkpoints. They were meeting people to swap their dogs. Some of their dogs were older. Some they just felt wouldn't make the whole distance. So it was completely within the rules that they were allowed to change dogs and carry on. So sometimes you'd have someone run past you and think, oh, that is not the same dog that they had <laughs> a few miles ago. But yeah, it's, you know, the, the train on most ultras is going to have style. So you're naturally going to be queuing. You're naturally going to be waiting to cross over. And uh, some people turn up to these events and they haven't even trained on a style. So they can't get their dog across. They've got massive, you know, mm. I don't German Shepherds, maybe, or a huge pointer Vizsla that is 20 plus kilos, and you're helping them get across the styles because they, you know, a, do- a lot of dogs will get scared of a style, but it's good to incorporate them into your runs. And you can't run all that distance. Some dogs aren't made to run constantly. Some people can't run that. So don't feel that you have to be running 30 miles. You can trek, you can walk. Some people walk the whole distance. Other people were running it, and I think the fastest runner came in at six hours or something. I goodness knows how they did that because yeah. the weather was horrendous, the hills were horrendous. But I don't want to put you off because it was amazing. But <laughs> what else do you expect when you go to Wales? If you don't go to Wales and see hills and rain, you haven't really been to Wales. Although we have come to the conclusion that on this ultra, we did in fact see more wind turbines than we did sheep. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's something new in Wales. I didn't think that would ever happen. Yeah, the good thing is the event doesn't have a cutoff time, does it? So that's really nice no. to know that we, okay. you're not going to be crap doing all that work and then find out that you've got to stop because of the cutoff time. So that yeah. that is another thing for a novice like myself that really appealed. Is I as long as I keep going, I will finish it. You could effectively walk it if that's you know. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I was going to ask you, how do you how do you motivate yourself then to? I know, obviously, Michelle, you said joining others to go out for your training, but whether it's for training or 
during the race. So, you know, Amy, there must have been some low points during that 30K, just ne- mentally maybe or physically. And what, did, what yeah. did you do to sort of recalibrate and just keep going? I'm a very social runner. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have liked to have done it on my own. So I think it's good to go in a group. Some people are solo runners. They like the time with their dogs, but I'm there for a fun time. You know, I'm not there for a great time on my clock. I'm there for a great experience. And we did get lost. And I was fine with getting lost. We did get told the right way to go in the end. And um, it was just not knowing the mileage. And I think the last three miles were my hardest miles um, because I was just so frustrated. I thought, oh, I can't do this. And I thought, I actually can really do this because I've already done 30 miles, which I didn't know I'd done 30 miles. But so next in October, it's going to be a breeze because I'm going to be four miles less than last time. So <laughs> I like the, I like the way you, you had that tricky bit of the of that last three miles and then you've signed up again. <laughs> yeah. well, my friend I was running with, she was playing all these motivating songs on her phone to try and encourage me to come on, it's fine. And so, yeah, I did get hit a low point. It was, you know, you were cold, it'd been raining all day and then you just at the end you think well I've done this it's my longest distance I've ever done I've done marathons before but I'd never done an ultra and I'll go back and do it again I'm actually eyeing up the 50 north down ways next year which is a solo without the dog so you know you've got to go out without the dog as well because I'd I'd lost my love for running a solo as well but when I trained for the ultra I needed to go out on my own without the dog because the dog doesn't need to cover all that mileage I'm the one that needs to make sure I can do the mileage. So I was entering other events like FBN events where I had to go on my own and it's lapped events. So you can do as many laps as you want. And they're normally quite tricky terrain. So it's really good to make me motivate myself to run because I will run, I'll spend all day out with my dog, but it's just making me do it as well on my own. And, it, and when you when you were doing that ultra, and obviously, as you said, it, I mean, mentally there's kind of highs and low points. With your dog, did you notice any sort of difference in you know how he was approaching it or throughout he loved loved it every single minute and when I would walk or you know when I'm like oh I can't do it and you put your hand in your head in your hands he looked at me to say are you serious like come on we go that's why they're personal trainers aren't they that little look that they give you and go that's what kind of tugs at your heartstrings saying you can do it mum you know it's like yeah it was and when when we got to the end my husband was waiting for us and my dog was just ran up to him like wagging his tail I was like we've got to go through the finish line and then um there was quite a few dogs there and I we said I'll just let them go and sit in the van for a bit and we got back to we were camping and we got back to our caravan and he just wanted to go out for another walk he didn't want to he didn't want to lay down he didn't want to go to sleep he wanted to go out again he wasn't done this was it wasn't (laughs) he he would have carried on going so they do say oh his Johnny Fletcher talked about increasing to even longer ultras but I do think with Springer Spaniels is there's no off button. So he uh, Springer would rather die out on the field rather than actually tell you it's time to stop. So yeah. I think 30, you know, that ultra is our distance. I wouldn't push him to go any further than that. Yeah. Maybe if I had a second dog, I would. But I just think you know your dogs, don't you? Mm. And I know my dog will never stop wanting to please me because that's what he's bred to do. He wants to please us. So you've got to choose your limit. And I think that 30 is a limit. And then obviously the age, what age do you stop with a, a Springer Spaniel? Yeah. You've got to think about that as well. Yeah, no, that's really that's really good advice. And everyone that we always say that you, people do know their own dogs and you've got to know when that off button, you know, has, is the right time for that. Yeah. 
And I'll just add to that that we also have a uh, member of our group that is a canine arthritic management specialist and she does massages. And I've already got both my dogs that are going to be doing this set up on sessions with her and some of the other girls have. So we're actually getting the dogs, the physio beforehand as well. Because, you know, especially the dog I've got with dysplasia, I'm not going to take him through anything if he isn't. And also with the young dog, I just want to make sure he's muscling upright and everything. And, you know, that's just part of it for me. And we'll get the dogs checked over by her before we run the ultra. Just so, as Amy says, you know, because a dog, especially both Amy and I run Springers, and they will never tell you when they hurt. They are so stoic. They will never stop. They'll keep going. And I just want them checked over to make sure they're fine before they go. So I'm comfortable that I've got everything working, just as I would expect somebody to make sure that I work before I start running around like that. But I think that, you know, things like looking at stuff like that is also good. And what about afterwards then? Will you tend I to... want a jacuzzi and gin, and I'm, I'm quite exactly. happy with the jacuzzi yeah. and gin. <laughs> so your jacuzzi and gin afterwards, that's your recovery. <laughs> what about you, yeah, ser- Seriously, I'll recover you know, <laughs> through a recovery programme. And for the yeah. dog, just as you said, you know, it, it's about making sure you make that dog recover. You yeah. don't see horses coming off the racetrack and being loaded straight up into their lorries and going. They're walked down, they're cooled down, they're giving quiet time. And just as Amy said, you know, especially with Springer Spaniels, they're like, yeah, let's go again. Come on, let's go, let's go. And you're the and one that's that. grown up and just say, no, no, you, you rest. And you know, keep them walking and get them out for a nice gentle walk the next morning and make sure everything still works because I'll have to do that you know I'm going to have to be walked out in the morning to make sure I still work especially with a car journey drive back the last thing you want to do is do all that and then jump in a car and drive back because I'll have to get a hoist down here to get me out yeah so it's just about being thinking about the obvious which is just like us if that dog's done that it's a long day out and you know as well as being physically mentally tiring for us and mentally tiring for the dogs and so just giving the dogs some quiet days afterwards but they are moving keep them moving that's that's what I intend to do sounds very sensible what about you Amy what's your approach to post-run recovery so most probably a large glass of wine (laughs) Prosecco I was actually given wine at the last checkpoint in the last ultra were you (laughs) yeah like I got it's to the, did the biggest distance, so you won effectively. Yeah, they had been told that we'd got lost because we were the, actually the only two people that managed to go off course that far off course, anyway. Um, and I got there and I was just like, Oh, I just don't know if I could go on. And they went, What can make it better? And I was like, Wine. And she went, Oh, funnily enough, I actually have got a small bottle of wine here. Would you like that? <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I had a little bit of wine and off I went and I finished. So it was all good. So were you map read? You were in the self-navigating via a map where you also... No, 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 it was completely signposted and flagged. It was well, really well marked. And apparently the night before the ultra, when we were in a little campsite in Wales that had very poor internet connection, he posted a video about this point on the the route that we had to stay left. Obviously, we missed that video, so we didn't stay left. We went up the hill. So if I had internet, we wouldn't have got lost. But we've since invested into new Garmin watches that have got all the sat-nav abilities to keep us on track. But I do think if I've run any route with my dog, he tends to remember it better than I do. So I wouldn't be surprised if when I go to the ultra in Wales in October, he will just remember the route. Mm. So he'll turn left before I tell him to go the way we need to go. I find that happens quite a lot. He just remembers. 
Yeah. No. Make sure he doesn't go exactly the same way you did last time. Yeah, no. He'll want yeah. to go the other way because it's the river. So he like he will want to get in the water. So I think he'll remember the water over the massive hill that we chose to go up instead. Yeah. Gosh, it, it will sound so interesting. I'm just so pleased that that event is sold out, so I can't do it. There's a shorter event they're doing at the same time, and I'm not sure if that's sold there out. Do you know, Michelle? Yeah, okay, I think Michelle? I think it is sold out because we've got a couple of people in our group that are doing the shorter event, oh, and I, I think it is sold out. But I know he's got a waiting list. And I know he's had some people that have signed up for the longer event move to the shorter event. He's got this waiting list. And I think, was it something like 150 people started and 145 finished? Wow. There was only five, was it, was no, it 120 or something like that? There's only five people that didn't complete the 30 miles. And you, know, you had exceptionally bad weather, didn't you, on that March yeah. one? Well, the front runners didn't have the bad weather. It was, uh, they, they don't believe what they they saw on the videos, but yeah, it was uh, pretty horrendous. But um, I think it was even less than that. I think it was only two or three people dropped out. Which, which so is amazing for that yeah. distance, isn't it? Yeah, there wasn't many dropped out. I, one lady I saw had fallen and was being carried back over some styles. But yeah, the uh, there wasn't many dropping out. I think some people just stopped because their dogs wanted to stop. And that's what you do. If my dog wasn't going to carry on, I would stop. He, I wouldn't force him to run the rest of the race. So. Um, I'm calling it a race, but it was we weren't racing anyone. We were running, so yeah. yeah absolutely. I think that says something about the quality of the organisation that that many people did it, did it safely, and completed it. Yeah, absolutely. So, should we, Gal? Do we just want to do the last question because I think we're gonna. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask this. Yeah, I can do the last question, but I was gonna ask Michelle and and then Amy. Now there'll be people listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, maybe I could give this a go you know try an ultra and you know you've given a really good case for why you know it could be you know doable for anyone with the right training but what advice would you give to someone who is contemplating trying an ultra so obviously they're gonna have to have a bit of experience of running with their dog already but this might be someone who's already doing a certain level of running and thinking you know to go to that you know really put challenge themselves and their dogs so michelle first you know what what advice would you give my advice would find be find somebody that can mentor you through it or a group of people to do it and learn together with. For me, that's been such an important part of it because so many times at 7.30 when I'm swimming late lengths in the sea pool to get keep my fitness, a different type of fitness to keep my hips open so that I don't have problems running. I'm thinking, really, why am I going to run 30 miles in Wales in October? Do I really want to do this? But the accountability of having a group of people around you and knowing that they're having the same thoughts as well and you're boisting them up. For me, that's been the most important. Um, make sure that you are, you've got the right training plan, that you know what you're doing and stick to it. And the same with your dog. Make sure you've got a dog that, that can do it. And you know, as Amy said, she set this 30 miles as possibly what her dog will do rather than further. You know, Be realistic about what you and your dog can do. But for me, by having a group of people doing it with me, that has been the thing that's made the difference. Excellent. And um, yeah, very wise words. And Amy, anything you want to add to that? I just think if you love running and you love running with your dog as well, then try it. You know, set your own distance goals. The only person that will stop you from doing it is yourself, because as long as you train and you're physically able to do that kind of distance, you, you can do it. It's a mental thing rather than anything else. The only person that's going to stop you is your own mind saying you can't do it because you can. Anyone can run that distance. Anyone can trek that distance. You're your own self-motivator, aren't you? I just, I ran London a few weeks ago and, and London's amazing, but 
it's not as fun as running with your dog in the Welsh mountains in the pouring down rain. So yeah. <laughs> I'll choose that over road marathon any day. And also London Marathon, you don't get a glass of Prosecco at the end, unfortunately. No, no. Or a of water. <laughs> and you can't run with your dog either, so it's really sad. Um, and like, no, no cuddles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Um, been absolutely brilliant guys thank you so much and um hopefully we've inspired some people to um to take up that challenge and uh we look forward to kind of getting an update on your progress at the end of it so thank you very much thank you thanks Thanks Thanks. so much guys thank you thank you for listening to this episode of talk canny cross we really hope that you've enjoyed it but don't forget to hit subscribe so we can keep you up to date and let you know when the next episode comes out happy canny crossing (laughs) 